Welcome to the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. I'm Ashlyn Dave, and I'm recording live from my podcast studio in Ashland, Virginia. Thanks for coming along. And this is Ashlyn Dave, and this is episode 200 of the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. I'm Ashlyn Dave, your host. Thanks for coming along and downloading the show and uh, coming around for the 200th episode of Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. Uh, I really can't believe I've gotten to the 200 mark. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. If you're a new listener, um, thanks for uh, checking it out. Hopefully you'll be around uh, for when we celebrate the next uh, anniversary at episode 300. Who knows when that will be, but I'm sure that will be sometime in the future. Uh, If you'd asked me back in 2008 if I would have had 200 shows at this time, I probably would have laughed and said, yeah, if, if I keep doing it, you know, we'll see. Uh, so it's kind of hard to believe that after, oh, let's see, I guess it's uh, close to six, over six years now doing the show, gotten up to 200 episodes. I've enjoyed it along the way, and, and there's uh, several people that I've heard from that have listened to every show. And if I can, I'm going to try to sneak in part of episode one into this show, not for a fill time, just so uh, you can see how much it's kind of changed, I guess, over the years. I got several things to go over uh, with this show. We've uh, first of all the huge delay in getting out episode 200. That will be explained. Um, we've got a uh, 50k report from a race I recently did with uh, two friends from the Richmond area. Uh, ran into another person up there, and of course the uh, much anticipated listener roll call, which is the uh, culmination of the stand up and be counted campaign. And heard a whole from a whole lot of people, even uh, a couple people that got in under the wire. And uh, so I'll go over that, um, and I appreciate everybody that sent in emails for the Stand Up and Be Counted campaign. Uh, it was a lot of fun to uh, read over and, and see where people are from and and uh, kind of what they do running-wise and how long some have been listening to the show. So I really do appreciate everybody taking the time to do that. Now, um, it is the week of August 3rd, 2014. This is episode number 200, and... Um, what I've done in the past, uh, when I uh, what I did in the past, not what I've done, but I did it once. I think I changed the uh, intro theme song at uh, episode 100 or 101. So uh, I will be doing that probably uh, in the next few shows as I uh, tinker around with some different things just to kind of change things a little bit. Um, I've also, uh, one thing that, uh, um, just for when I listen to other podcasts, I almost wish that somebody they would say the episode number right at the beginning prior to introductory music that way i don't listen to shows in and out of order because sometimes i download shows in uh, volume so i'm going to tinker around with that a little bit i can't say that i'll make a change there uh but there might be a, a couple changes here or there with with the introduction uh we'll we'll see uh something that uh, i'll tinker around a little bit with garage band um since this is kind of my hobby so all right well here's the delay here's the reason for the delay in getting out this show and i, I know i say that every time but um Really, it was the it was the fault of the World Cup because uh, I uh, tended to watch soccer more than anything else, more than uh, I wanted to sit at the computer, more than uh, I wanted to train. Um, and let's just say uh, the honeymoon phase of training is definitely over. <laughs> if you uh, listen to uh, sh- episodes a few back, you'll uh, one was called the uh, honeymoon phase of training, and uh, within that episode, I talked about how. Uh, when it got really hot, I was just going to take a whole week off from training. Uh, yeah, that that week has come and gone, and uh, that was when we were up in Boston. Um, and I'll talk about that here in a little bit, our trip up there. 
Um, but really, it was the, pro the the fault of the World Cup. I uh, I'm a big soccer fan. I really wa like watching. Uh, I prefer to watch international soccer as opposed to uh, regular regular league play, whether it's uh, domestic or a foreign league, because now we can watch the uh, English Premier League on. Uh, they have that on Saturday mornings. Well, they will starting uh, later this month. The, the season will start, and. Uh, even though I do watch, like watching the English Premier League, I, I really when the World Cup uh, World Cup comes around, I really uh, I really get into that. I, I actually take time off from work just so I can watch uh, games and I record as much as possible, uh, almost to the point of where the TV is on. Almost from the time I get home from work till uh, the evening when I go to bed, there's uh, a game on, and I think my family got quite tired of it. And uh, one thing I do need to do is I need to get DVR set up in my uh, my man cave because uh, I, I can't record games on my garage uh, TV, and that's really where I prefer to watch soccer because I got you know stereo speakers hooked into the stereo, which I got the TV going through, so I can kind of crank it up and and uh, do my thing. So anyway, um, so yeah, that, that's the real reason. Uh, then we had a. Um, I had a vacation up in uh, Boston and Cape Cod. Uh, first time I'd been up there, and I didn't realize uh, really how big Boston was until we uh, took some tours and uh, we did some walking. And uh, what a really, really neat city. Expensive, but uh, of course I watched some of the World Cup up there also and uh, some bars that we found. But really a great trip overall. Uh, however, there was one little uh, hang-up that... Uh, I just want to share with you because uh, it's kind of funny. We had a uh, when we, we stayed in Cambridge actually, which is where Harvard is. So each day we would we were there. We we're only there for a few days, and we spent the second half of the week in um, Hyannisport. You know where all the rich people are, but we we weren't the rich people. But uh, uh, we went up there and had a, stayed at a real nice hotel. But anyway, so we're in Cambridge, and one of the ways we uh, wanted to cut costs was to actually stay. Uh, rent rent an apartment as opposed to a hotel or, or something like that. You know, a place where we could pick up a few things um, and be a little bit more comfortable. Uh, you know, with some separate rooms. And so my wife utilized a uh, online, like a B and B type of website. Um, this wasn't a you know bed and breakfast type of place. But what people do is they, if they're going out of town or, or wherever, they rent their places out. And uh, you know, there's reviews online and. And this and that, and uh, so she picked a place that got good reviews. And then when we got there, it was uh, not what we expected. And uh, we were going to stay there three nights, and instead we just stayed two. And really, the second night was really probably not what we wanted to do. It just wasn't really that clean. And uh, so we were, uh, you know, I was looking online and I, and I found the place again and I read the last review which she apparently had missed that uh, had mentioned these things and so we negotiated with the guy to get out of that third night um, and we explained to him that uh, you know dude your, your place ain't clean this isn't uh, you know and I'm not going to get into the details because I, um, I really just don't want to relive it but uh, so we decided to go out to Cape Cod for a uh, extra night and that was best decision we made. It was just totally gorgeous out there. We stayed uh, very close to the ferry uh, pier where they people take the ferry out to Martha's Vineyard and um, I can't think of the other island out there at the moment. 
Uh, so it was a lot of activity. Uh, the ho the uh, I guess you could call it a motel or a hotel it was uh, one floor. No, it's two floors. But we stayed on the floor first floor that faced the pool. Uh, very uh, very luxurious. Um, it was pretty cool. And uh, the um, pool had a bar area that on one side was the pool of the bar, and then the other side was inside this large tenant off area that they had big screen TVs and it was kind of a more of a little bit of a informal restaurant. And of course I watched the world cup there as well on some really big TVs. And, uh, that was, I was sitting at the bar area watching, uh, Brazil get, uh, totally slaughtered by Germany. I really couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I was kind of looking around at people around me and everybody was just kind of stunned that that was happening. Um, but uh, so we drove up there to Boston on July 4th. We left, uh, I know I'm jumping around a little bit. We drove, we left really early, uh, the morning of July 4th. I think by 6.30 we were on the road and by before, and now we were there by four o'clock and I was in the apartment that we had rented watching the four o'clock, uh, World Cup game. Now, some of the interesting things on the way up is, uh, we only stopped three times, which wasn't bad for a family of three. Uh, on the way up there, we had uh, may already made sandwiches the night before, so we ate lunch in the car while we were on the way. And of course, I wanted to listen to the World Cup as much as possible on the because it was the, the earlier game was I think the twelve o'clock game. Well, and it was France was playing somebody, and uh, we were somewhere in Connecticut on a parkway, and we got the first half in English, no problem. And then then that started getting fuzzy around the ha during the halftime show, so I switched around looking for another station to listen to it. We don't have satellite radio. I, I just, I don't see the point in, uh, um, I, I don't spend that much time in the car, so I don't, I don't uh, see the point in paying for that. But if, I guess if I was, you know, a, a salesperson or I was in the car all the time, I'd, I probably would buy that. But anyway, we, uh, so I, the second half, I had to listen to it in Spanish because I couldn't find an English speaking sports station. And the uh, funny thing about that is the reason I knew there weren't any goals in the second half is because uh, nobody went, go, go, which is what the uh, Latinos do when there's a goal. The, the um, Latino commentators, that's how they uh, tell everybody that a goal has been scored. I didn't hear that for the whole second half, even when they were speaking in Spanish, so I knew there was no goal. And, of course, we get up there, and I was able to watch the next game. Now, um so we watched that, and then we went out to get something to eat. And we were in the uh, area that serves Harvard. So a lot of the restaurants around there were, were kind of student-oriented, even though it was summer. They have, uh, I guess, Harvard's kind of an all-around school, all-year-round school, and they have different programs for foreigners and stuff. And uh, so I was wearing, you know, an American flag. This was July 4th. Uh, it was rainy, so apparently the fireworks that were supposed to be in Boston for that night had been... Uh, Actually, not postponed, but uh, preponed. <laughs> they actually did it the night before, unbeknownst to us. So we had nothing to see, and uh, so I, I was still wearing my shirt with American flag on, and I had some uh, kind of uh, uh, blue and uh, red, you know, bling bling beads uh, around my neck, just kind of you know a little festive. And I think we were the only ones around that area that really knew it was July Fourth because th there were so many foreigners there, and that was just kind of weird. Uh, and never really had experienced that before. Um, not bad. Uh, you know, people who come to study in the summer at Harvard, they they can't be uh, expected to know that it's Independence Day and that, you know, what their behavior is supposed to be. It's uh, It was just kind of weird because um, it just seemed like uh, we we're the only ones that seemed to know that. But overall, pr a really good trip once we got out of that apartment. And uh, I really liked uh, Cape Cod. 
Uh, I would love to go back there. However, I probably would have to fly next time because it took us close to 12 and a half hours to get home on uh, the following Thursday, which we just came back uh, on the Thursday because I had to go to work that Friday night after that. And um, God, that was a long way home. I, I was just so glad to get home because of just how long we were in the car. So it's just kind of amazing the difference um, between driving on a holiday and then driving on a weekday. Um, all right, so that's the uh, that's the trip to uh, to Massachusetts. First time there, uh, we played the license plate game. Uh, we're still playing it in our family. We uh, I think we saw 32 uh, different license plates from different states on the way up and back. And then uh, ever since we gotten back, whenever we see one from a state that's not on the list, we um, you know let each other know. It's kind of kind of neat. Um, okay, so we've got a, uh, for what most people would, would understand as an exchange student this summer, uh, but we didn't exchange anybody. It's actually called a homestay. We have a 13-year-old uh, little girl from Japan staying with us for four weeks this summer. Her name is Rise, and it's called a homestay because we didn't, we didn't do any exchange uh, to Japan. And, uh, from what I understand, this is a uh, a real. Well, I, I shouldn't say she's a little girl. She's um clearly an adolescent and um, same age as mine, my daughter. They're getting along really good. Uh, she's been here for the last two weeks, uh, which takes up a lot of time as well. It's very hard to sit at the you know at the computer and produce a podcast when there's people activity in the house and there's you know different things and we're you know repeating things many times so she understands us and her English her English is actually really good. She's just kind of quiet. Uh, but we've doing been doing tons of stuff. Uh, probably have overstimulated her uh, senses at this point. Uh, got a big trip to D.C. planned. Uh, that's one of the advantages of living just a uh, hundred miles from Washington D.C. Is if you have somebody from another country, you definitely got to take them up there, even if it's just to um, see the sights from the outside. At least uh, they've gotten to see them. Uh, but she's from Japan, and I uh, can't pronounce the city that she's from, uh, but. She goes back in two more weeks, so we have some more time with her, and uh, we've been really exchanging a lot of ideas. It's uh, the, the two cultures couldn't really be any different, and but it's kind of neat how you know we as a people that live in the American culture accept her culture of doing things a certain way, but at the same time they're kind of supposed to do the stuff that we do, as opposed to um, you know sitting around the house if, if we're going to say we go to church you know she's kind of supposed to go with us as opposed to even though she's Buddhist um, and we go to a Catholic church the the rules are that they're supposed to do what the family does um, I guess unless you're you know sacrificing snakes or something I guess you'd have to draw the line there <laughs> I mean I would if my kid was over in Japan and they're sacrificing animals right in front of her and I knew about that I think I'd probably have to draw the line um, probably wouldn't let her go in the first place if that was going to be going on um, but we've been really having a good time. It's kind of neat to have another child in the house. Uh, we're a single child family, and um, it's kind of neat to have somebody else to look out for. And uh, there's a couple other families in the Ashland area that uh, also have a homestay student. So we've gotten together just a few times, and um, we're going to go to a baseball game this week in Richmond. And um, gosh, what else have we done? We've done some other things. It's just been a lot of fun. And, and what it's done, it's gotten our family out of the house a little bit to. Uh, to uh, do some things and um, anyway it's been really cool but that's another reason for the delay of getting out the show is is uh, we've had a visitor in the house and and as you can imagine it's hard to find a time when nobody's here 
because uh, if everybody's out, then I should kind of try to be with them. But uh, the reason they're out now is they're visiting my mother-in-law, who uh, unfortunately had to move to a nursing home recently, and um, it's been a really sad situation. But um, they're all they all went down to visit her, and uh, I've got some stuff I'm going to do here at the house while they're gone, and also give me a chance to produce the show. Um, so uh, yeah, that's been lots of fun, and uh, I, I will say that I was really, really reluctant at first because I know that I'm not really a good host. Um, I just know that about myself. I've never really been that way, and um, it's a it, you know it's it's something that I wish I was better at. So, uh, but my daughter and my wife really wanted to do it, and so we signed up. When they came and did a, they come and interview you. The people who organize it, it's done through the 4-H program. It's called um, oh something labo studies something and they come do an interview check out your house make sure that you're not you know a uh some kind of pervert or um you know weird uh, drug user or something and i guess we passed the test because we're none of those things and yeah they uh then they do a criminal background check on you and make sure that um there's nothing weird about you and um and we passed all those uh, tests so we we got to have one and uh, it's been a lot of fun and uh I think that uh, this is probably something we probably would do um, maybe next time around. However, uh, I think what it is, at least for Japanese students, it's kind of a rite of passage for when they're 13 years old. So I don't know if you have an older child, if you could be allowed to take a younger one or not. I'm not really sure how it works. It's, it kind of works out good that the kids are the same age. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's enough on that. It's really cool having um, Rise here, and uh, we're we'll be sad when she leaves, but we understand that she obviously has to go home. Uh, okay, let's talk a little bit about the Dahlgren Heritage uh, Dahlgren Rail Her uh Gosh, the 50k I did uh, yesterday. It's the Dahlgren Heritage Trail Rail Trail <laughs> or Dahlgren. Rail Heritage Trail. It's uh, it's a former railroad uh, that's been turned into a recreational path, although it's private. And uh, great, I did it last year, and I did not know that last year I ran seven hours five minutes, and and uh, I finished it in six forty two this year. But it was uh, it was I don't remember last year being ugly, but this was an ugly ugly uh, performance on on my ha on my, my behalf. I. Uh, obviously glad I finished. I thought that I was a little bit more, a little bit more ready, a little bit readier. How does it, how do you do it? Uh, and, but I, I don't think I was. The, the humidity just really kicked my ass. And I, uh, I was emailing, um, Sandy's. We exchanged some emails about this. She was asking me if I had blistered and, and I'll talk a little bit about that in here in just a second. But, um, I, I, Got to a point, if, if it was a 15-mile race, then I would have been very satisfied with my performance. I felt good at the, uh, right around the turn, well, I turned around was at 15.5 miles, obviously, for a 31-mile race. Um, but I, um, that would have been great if it had just stopped right around then, because I felt good, uh, wasn't struggling or anything, and the humidity hadn't gotten to me. But for some, somewhere between the, uh, like, mile 17 and the end was just, I think it was just God's way of punishing me. I, I don't. <laughs> I know that I'm just kidding, but boy, it was. Uh, I don't really know where to start. I uh, mentally lost interest in the race. I lost motivation to run. I I knew I wanted to get to the finish line, and and the the only way to get there was to walk, unless I wanted to be a DNF. And it was an eight hour cutoff, 
So I just thought I might as well. I mean, I, I know at some point if if I walked for an hour, I know after that I'd be able to run some, but I didn't I didn't walk for an hour. Um, I just got to a point where I uh, I just didn't really care what my time was, and uh, I was just absolutely uh, drenched, and nothing um, none of the moisture in my shirt or my shorts uh, dried. It was uh, just kind of hung all day. And if you can imagine, I wore a shirt where the sleeves came just above the crease of my forearm, you know, where, you have, where your uh, arm bends. But then with the moisture, uh, and they, it hung down. So I was, I was constantly running with the shirt, the weight of the shirt actually inside the crease of my, uh, my arms. And so it kind of made a note to self, if I ever run in that kind of humidity again, for that kind of long distance, make sure I wear a shirt that's shorter up my upper arm because it, it really started to bug me after a while. It really did. And it's amazing. It's amazing how those little things start to bother you. Um, but anyway, to talk about the blistering, uh, no blisters. Uh, and this is compared with when I ran Richmond in November, the Richmond Marathon. Uh, and I hesitate to use the word just 26.2 miles. But it was just 26.2 miles, and I the blistering was um, was brutal. And uh, this is at the you know the the front of my foot, the top or the um, the toe area. Well, this was the first time I had run a marathon plus distance in the Ultra Olympus uh, shoe, and that's Ultra uh, A L T R A. That's the brand I've talked about it before. It's the um, my new shoe, although it's got. 300 miles on it plus now 300 plus miles um this has the uh larger toe box so the shoe actually looks um kind of strange and um when you look when you look down at it i guess when you're looking down at your feet when you're wearing the shoes it looks strange i, I don't think it looks strange to others because you know nobody laughed at me and said oh your feet look funny uh but uh, i think i'm convinced that's the reason uh because the shoe wasn't cramming the toes together and even though I've got ankle pain in my left ankle, and my thighs are sore, and, and all that. My feet, as I, as I look at them now, um, there's no there's no issues with them at all. And um, being that the trail was wet, there was uh, grass to run through, which just made your feet soaking wet. And being that there was humidity the whole day, and so the sweat never goes anywhere. Um, you know, I was worried about my feet because they, uh, the skin gets, uh, really weak. I've tried to toughen it up over the years, short of, um, I don't know, short of using sandpaper. I don't know that you can't, if your feet, if the skin, if you just have weak skin, I, I think it's hard to make, to make it get tough. Um, I, I had taped the bottom of my feet, uh, like I've done in years past with other long races and, uh, it was so wet out the, the duct tape. Just I could just feel it pulling off. Uh, and one time I came close to stopping, taking off my shoes and my socks and just getting rid of the tape. But I just thought, you know, I might as well just keep going. Um, but no blistering at all. And it has to be because of the shoes. Uh, this course uh, wasn't out and back, out 15, 15 and a half miles back, 15 and a half. And it has uh, one little, um, I guess, a juggernaut that goes up around this firing range that's that sits on this old rail bed and um, that, but it's hardly anything really to speak of about, you know, a climb or anything. It just goes around. It's, uh, but you know, but, but the ascent going through the single track trail through the woods was kind of steep and 
Um, if anything, it, that would have been the time where the skin would have uh, been irritated. So I, I'm having a hard time believing there's no blisters at all. And I was telling Sandy in an email um, that I hadn't really had time to reflect on that until she asked. And so I guess even though it was an ugly performance and I was a little disappointed in my finishing time because it's a flat course for the most part, um, I think I might have found the right shoes to... Uh, to wear so uh, I'm gonna stick with the uh, larger toe box and I uh, will see see where that takes me now uh, this was my second year doing this race I think it was the fifth or sixth year of the race the course has changed just a little bit over the years from what I'm told and uh, one of the highlights of yesterday was uh, I got to meet Michael Wardian um, I don't think he was expecting to meet me but I introduced myself to him anyway <laughs> Uh, he won. Uh, he won the whole thing, set a new course record for three hours, ten minutes. Um, that's three hours and ten minutes for 31 miles. That's, uh, I think that's just a hair over ten miles an hour is what he averaged. Now, um, the reason I met him is because um, all of a sudden I was standing right next to him or near him and he was looking at me and I didn't realize it at the time, but my friend Neil Richard, who is one of the... Uh, folks that puts on this race up there he's uh, one of the friends of the trail and he asked me to take his picture with Michael Wardian and so I just introduced myself to Michael Wardian but I guarantee that he doesn't even didn't even know my doesn't even remember my name at all um but uh I've heard him interviewed before and I've talked about him on the podcast before a uh, very humble uh person when he's interviewed uh, family man, not an arrogant person whatsoever for the for his ability level. It'd be really easy for somebody with that ability level to get a large head, but he appears to be very very humble. And for someone who came out to run a 50k kind of in a rural area of King George County, um, he kept a pretty low profile yesterday. And I just kind of heard that he was there through somebody else, and then I looked around and um, I saw him. And anyway, it was kind of cool. It was kind of neat. Anyway, on the way out. Um, I think I was at, I think I was at between mile, uh, 11 and 12, maybe, maybe 11 and 13, somewhere in between there when he passed me on the way back. So I had done what, 11 miles. I'm, I'm going to, cause I remember the, the third person passed me, I was 11 and a half miles. So it might've been around 11 and I'm not sure if the, the math works. I think I was at the 11 mile mark when he was, and I was outbound when he was inbound with 11 to go. I had done 11 when he was 11 to go. And I would have to kind of figure out the math on that, but since he ran less than half the time I did, that would probably make sense. And he did, I just stepped off the trail and gave him a thumbs up, and he was, uh, and there he was. Um, and uh, that's awesome. Uh, I think there was a $200 bonus for. Somebody who set a course record and, and or a hundred dollar bonus. I can't remember what Neil told me. So uh, yeah, I guess he got that, and uh, that was awesome. So I came in uh, much later than him, and you know there is something to be argued for the people that are back of the pack, such as myself. Um, aren't we the ones with the true endurance? I mean, we're the ones that spend all freaking day out there, you know, running stupid all day. And uh, anyway, that was just a little bit of a side note. Uh, but my hat's off to uh, Michael Wardy and the, and the others that have that uh, the natural talent that they've developed into something special. And it, for people like me, it's it's really um, you know we're just uh, it's just amazing to watch. Um, now, if you remember the, I do have to uh, make a little uh, uh, make a little statement on something here real quick about the race. 
Last year, I ran this race, and I got chicked. And I got chicked by somebody who I carried them to within 100 yards of the finish line. And um, I was struggling last year, and there were two other people struggling last year, and we all kind of met up with about five miles to go, right in this ugly little place on the trail at about the five-mile mark to go. The, the, um, it was around mile post five. I think that's if I recall correctly. And uh, one person was from New York, and the other person was local. And when uh, the finish line came in sight, uh, which was well over four miles with the same group. All of a sudden, one of that group of three just took off and uh, crossed the finish line, got refreshment, and never said another word. And if you'll know, if you heard me say this before, that kind of perturbed me a little bit because it is an ultra. It's not. It wasn't just a marathon or a 10K where you're anonymous. It was an ultra, and when you're out on the trail in an ultra and you're at the end and you're middle of the pack, back of the pack, where you're not really being competitive because there's no competition at that point. All the competition has already finished the race, got their refreshments, uh, gone home, showered, and probably sitting watching TV or out cutting the grass or doing something else. Um, you don't really worry about uh, who you're going to beat at the end. And uh, Anyway, this person obviously ran up ahead and never said anything. Well, that same person was at the race yesterday. I saw that person at the beginning. So all, all I knew was that I didn't know what that person's fitness level was, but all I knew is that I had to beat that person, and uh, and I did. So uh, there was a small victory for me um, in not getting, uh, anyway, I, I probably shouldn't even go on about that because re I'm really over it, but if you've listened to the show, you know, you've heard me mention that before. Um, and uh, Neil Richard, who is my friend from King George, who p helps put this race on, and in fact, I think I heard him say that next year he might actually be the um, volunteer coordinator, which would be quite a job because they have outstanding volunteers up there and they got them all spaced out over 15 and a half miles, which is no small feat. You got to really have communication. And all the aid stations have the same setup tent, um, sandwiches, MMs, drinks. It's all the same setup and it's uh, really cool how they do it. Um, he told me who that person is, and uh, hopefully they're not good friends where he shares everything that I say. <laughs> but anyway, that's just a little game that I played in my head. Even though I had an ugly performance, I still was came out with a uh, small victory. And uh, hats off to Steve Buani, who's a listener, who we'll talk about in the listener roll call here in a minute, in a few minutes. He, uh, he finished his first 50K with a commendable performance of just over six hours. And then, uh, of course, John King uh, came in, I think, around 622. Uh, he and I both ran this race last year, so it was good to see him come back. Even though he had some health problems, he was able to still put out a, uh, a good finish. And, uh, yeah, John, we appreciate that. Um, I know that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was your 21st marathon. Um, I have to go to the Mar Marathon Maniacs website to check mine. I think, uh, I think that was my 27th, 28th. Let me just check that real quick. That was my 27th marathon. Um... I don't know how many ultras. I'll have to uh, check that. Um, I can't remember how many ultras I've done in the, in the 27, but it's been probably 10 by now. Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Okay, so 11 of my 27 have been the ultra distance, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so, but I know John had, uh, that was his 21st. And the reason he said that is because, uh, my bib number was 21 and he said he should have gotten that. 
Um, they, they assigned bib and let me just mention something really quick about um, bib numbers. The, they have big pickup in this caboose, and um, it's an old caboose that sits on uh, rail tracks right at the trailhead, and it's uh, really, I've, ta I've mentioned this before in the show when I did it last year, I just think that's a cool place to go pick up your shirt and your bib. Um, you know, that's uh, got to be the only race I know of where they have that. So, Neil, uh, you know, good good job. Please pass on my sentiments, uh, not, not my sentiments, my um, compliments to those on the race committee that you know. Uh, if you would pass on the feedback. Once again, it was a great race. I uh, appreciate the ice cream, Twinkies, hamburger, sodas at the end. Um, this is the race that has the ice-cold soda right at the finish line. You cross the finish line, you're under the tent, right outside the tent, they have... Dr. Pepper, Mountain Dew in one bin, and they got ice-cold water bottles in the next bin. I grabbed a Dr. Pepper. I saw the Mountain Dew, but I love Dr. Pepper. I almost grabbed the Mountain Dew. Grabbed a bottle of water, and uh, you have the choice of a hat, a metal, or a pint glass. I got the pint glass last year, and uh, being that I don't have any hats that actually say have an ultra distance on them, I went for the hat because it has 50K on the front with the race logo. And I wore that all the way home because my other hat was soaking wet. Now, um, I don't know what else to say about this race. It's Other than the heat, it's just a great event. They have a half marathon in February, which we'll, we'll go up and do. And I'll recruit some people from here to go up. And just overall, just a great place. That's the Dahlgren, Dahlgren Rail Heritage Trail. And the reason I'm not sure exactly how it goes is because the bib has DH... RT or DRHT, and then I saw a bumper sticker that had it the other way. A lady I was parked behind in the parking lot who says she runs the trail every day. Um, so I'm not really sure how it is. I have to check the bib from last year. Maybe they got the letters, but I'm sure they just use the same bib template as last year. All right, well, I've gone on enough about that. Let's get into the listener roll call to celebrate the 200th episode. And... Like I said before, I appreciate everybody who put in their name for the listener roll call. Uh, for the sake of time, I'm really just going to go over your name and where you're from. And so everybody that listens to the show that sent in an email with their name or where they're from, I, I won't be able to put everything else you put in the email, but I do appreciate those who uh, mentioned that they're a longtime listener, that they've been listening from the beginning. And it's just a real honor to hear from you after all these years um, that you've been listening from the beginning. So I think that's really cool. And so uh, we'll get started on that. Let's do the drum roll, please. All right. Uh, Phil Min, otherwise known as Foolish Phil, he's pretty much from everywhere. Uh, heard from him. Whenever I hear from him, he seems to be in a different place. So thanks, Phil. I uh, heard from Shelly Latcha out of Pennsylvania. Uh, Richard Yarp, the Woodlands, Texas. Uh, Jason Marinda from Idaho. Uh, Jim Ruddy from Loudoun County, Virginia, right here in the Commonwealth. Uh, Christina, who's also uh, known, as, known as Lazy Bone. She's out of the Phoenix, Arizona area. Of course, Tom Mueller, North Carolina. Tim Cleary, Chattanooga. He's also known as Abuelo Runs. Uh, of course, Alex Flores from Arizona, and Alex had sent in a an audio clip that I couldn't get to work. So, um, Alex, I'm gonna get you to send that in. I think I sent you an email. 
Heard from uh, Melissa Felt out of Hudsonville, Michigan. Uh, Kenny, also known as Slug, <laughs> out of, uh, um, it's actually from West Virginia. I thought he was from Tennessee, but he corrected that. He said he's from West, uh, West Virginia. Uh, Jamie Delaney, matter of fact, I got some doubles here. She's uh, the running cardiologist, and I forgot where she was from. Sorry about that. Uh, of course, Dr. Smitty out of Chesapeake, Virginia, also known as Greg. Cindy Pence, uh, Pitts, sorry, Cindy. <laughs> Cindy's been listening a long time, and she used to have a blog that I used to check out, but she's uh, moved away from that a little bit. Uh, maybe she'll resume that. Uh, she's out of uh, Albany, New York. We've got another listener out of uh, Albany. Uh, David Williams out of uh, New Zealand, who's down under, and I've also realized that I had a double on him, too. Um, I call him Down Under, Dave. Uh, of course, Neil Richard from King George, Virginia. Uh, Chad Palmer, Scottsdale, Arizona. Don Riffle out of uh, Brokerville, Indiana. Got Carmelo Maluso, Staten Island, New York. Of course, Ryan Goldberg out of Canada, and Ryan is a, uh, I guess, a virtual member of Team Incognito. And Ryan, I got to tell you, I do feel guilty about not responding to your emails as quick as uh, I should, being that you are a uh, Team Incognito, Team Incognito preferred uh, member. <laughs> um, Don Booth out of Mechanicsville, Virginia, local. Uh, Chris Burton, who says he, he uh, grew up in Ashland, now lives in Richmond. Of course, Tom Grant, who's uh, Ashland Tom. Got uh, Scott Johnson of uh, the My Computer Tutor podcast out of Florida. Uh, Bobby Monte Montague, Phoenix, Arizona. Anna Himes, South Riding, Virginia. Patrick Feel Freel, excuse me, Patrick Patrick Freel, Williamsburg, Virginia. He's a longtime listener. David Ladner out of Central Georgia. Kurt Weisenberger, Bowling Green, Kentucky. Uh, Keith Mason out of Georgetown, Texas. Got Dave Weaver, Greenville, South Carolina. Neil Richard is a double. I don't know how I got doubles in here. Uh, Melissa Felt out of Hudsonville, Michigan, who I think I've already, um, I think I got a bunch of doubles in here. Uh, Laurie out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, Jason Miranda out of Central Idaho, who I've already mentioned. <laughs> okay, sorry about that, you guys. As you, can, you can see I'm really organized. Uh, Dale out of Spokane, Washington. You got uh, Kevin, who's a Canadian from Nova Scotia, but now living in Co uh, now he lives in Kobe, Japan. Of course, we got uh, Ashland Steve Bowani out of Ashland. Um, oh boy, Joe out of uh, South Southeastern Massachusetts. Southeastern Massachusetts. Gabriel Pagan out of Puerto Rico. Josh Frank Green, Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, Jim James. Council Bluffs, Iowa. Uh, Jeff Alashewski out of Norristown, Pennsylvania. Of course, we got uh, Ashlyn Lucy, who's my daughter. I uh, already got Keith Mason. Got Jeff out of Norristown, Pennsylvania. I already got Keith. Yeah. Uh, got Kurt, Kurt Weisenberger. I uh, got him as Anytown, USA. I, I couldn't figure out where he was from. <laughs> Max Stilson from Portland, Oregon, and I uh, got a cool email from him later. And uh, Colonel Jeff Hager out of uh, Huntsville, Alabama, uh, more proper maybe Redstone Arsenal, Alabama, and I got a really cool email from him, which I'm going to share in the email bag section of the show because he uh, responded to some of the comments that I had. Uh, Paul Glyne out of uh, Wexford, Ireland. Uh, Brian Klein out of Ashland, Virginia. 
uh, Amazing from Albany, New York. We've got Sarah Cook out of Athens, Georgia. Dirt Dog out of Detroit, Michigan. And, of course, uh, Mechanicsville Dave from uh, Mechanicsville, Virginia. Adam out of Arizona. Uh, Sherry out of San Jose, California. Jay Bedford from, Te uh, Jay from Bedford, Texas. And, of course, uh, my good friend Lummox from Serena Park, Maryland. And those are the people that that wrote in, and I really do appreciate that. I've, um, that was kind of anticlimactic, I guess, in a way. I don't know. I love hearing from, uh, hearing from people. That's a lot of folks that, that took the time. And, and I hear from people all the time that say, you know, when I go out, I listen to the podcast on a run, and when I get home, I forget to, to write in. Yeah, that's fine. I, um, I don't mind that at all. I'm just glad you listened to the show. And, uh, all that I ask is that if you have, um, something to add to the show, uh, which I do through the email back section of the show. Just send me an email, and we'll try to include it in the show. And um, so that's what we're going to do now. Uh, we're going to go through some of the email bag, the emails in the email back section of the show. I heard from, uh, of course, Down Under Dave, and he had a uh, wonderful trip to the United States. Uh, they went through Death Valley, Bryce Canyon, Arches, uh, Canyonlands, and they ended up in the Grand Canyon. And I, I'm sad to, it's sad to say I do not know where Arches and Canyonlands are. Are in the United States, uh, but unfortunately, he was struck down with bronchitis as well as a mild form of pneumonia. Um, uh, he said he got some great medical help, but he was unable to do more than just a couple of hours in the Bryce Canyon 50k race. Um, but he says, "But hey, I get I, I get to wear the T-shirt, don't I?" Anyway, he says he's back in old Oz now, trying to recover from the chest infection, get back to some serious run, running, and. Um, he says, "How hope the running's going well and the family's in good form." And and yes, David is. Um, you listen to the report for my 50k. I, I made it, and I don't have any blisters, so that means I can um, pick up my training this week. We'll have to see see if I if I'm able to do that. Uh, heard from Mac out of Portland. Uh, short version. He loves the podcast. Agrees with most most of the rants. The long version. Um, I'm going to skip to his rants. He says, "Okay, flags. I'm all about the U.S. flag." My brother has a tattered old flag in front of his house. He knows that's not a good thing, and he keeps meaning to get him a new one for his birthday. I think that's a great idea. Um, selfies, I'm not much into social media, but my rant is the people who post every minute of their lives, including the food they eat, places they go, and their kid walking down the street. And, uh, yeah, I think that's a little much, but I think, unfortunately, I think that's here to stay, and I just think it's strange to where you have to... you. you you document your life online um, every step of the way. You know, I do a, what, a, a monthly podcast, and that's for runners. I don't know. I don't, it's not for people, the public in, at large. I don't know. Maybe, maybe a podcast is just as vainglorious. I don't know. Um, trash. We have some beautiful trails here in Portland, but people tend to use them for their party spots and leave beer cans and garbage behind. I pick up as much as I can carry. Tattoos, not much into that. Uh, me, never. Military, I can't say, I say thank them whenever you can, it's never enough. I think that if you're taking the time to say thank you, then you mean it. And uh, he went on to talk about soccer players, which I agree. Uh, World Cup, yeah, I couldn't believe the Brazil-Germany game. Looking forward to the final, which uh, this email was before the final, which um, Germany ended up winning. Um, fast food, eating in your car is kind of ridiculous, plus it smells up the car. And... Um, 
Greg Smith, this is uh, actually towards you. Also, it would be cool to hear a report from your friend who crewed the Western States 100. So looking forward to number 100, Max Stilson. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to um, throw that out to Dr. Smitty and see if he is willing to do an interview over Skype or something where we can uh, he can share some of his experience pacing uh, his buddy at the Western States 100. And I'd be really interested to hear about that as well. So, Greg, uh, let's uh, give that some thought, and I'll follow up with an email. Um, also heard from Sarah Cook. Uh, she got in just under the wire uh, for the stand-up and be counted. See, she's out of uh, Athens, Georgia. Um, she runs in ultras as well. That's the reason I wanted to comment on her email. She says she's been running in them for about two years now, really likes them. Um, and she runs in Torrens. Now, I have to say that when I ordered these shoes, if you remember, and this is just generally to all the listeners, I ordered them because I saw them advertised in a magazine and I just said, let me try those. And it was just on a total whim because my Hocus had just wore out. You know, I really should have um, sent those in. But I just said, you know what, I just won't buy them again. I'll get something else. And um, so I didn't even know that there were more models of Ultras. So I will look at those when I'm ready to do the replacement because I think the ones I bought are actually trail shoes. But I bought them on a whim just to try them out. I like them a lot. So now I can kind of maybe look at the brand a little bit more. So, Sarah, thanks for uh, um, suggesting that. Also, um, she runs in the um, Peachtree Road Race 10K, which is which was on July 4th. And that, if I'm not mistaken, that's the biggest 10K race in the country. I think that has close to 50,000 runners, if I'm not mistaken. So, Sarah, thanks for checking in. Always good to hear from listeners, and I'm glad that you did. Um, speaking of Dr. Smitty, we actually have a clip from him, uh, which we're going to listen to right now. Hey Dave, it's your old buddy Greg, aka Dr. Smitty. I just want to say congratulations on your 200th show, and thanks for letting me be a part of the shenanigans. I'm looking forward to the next 200 shows and catching up with you at the Patrick Henry Half Marathon in August. Take care. And yeah, that's uh, Dr. Smitty, who I uh, met through the podcast uh, a couple years ago. Um, we uh, trying to remember the first time we met. He came up and did a race in Ashland, as a matter of fact, and I've been down to. Uh, to his house, uh, met his family, he's met my family. Um, he'll be up at the Patrick Henry Half Marathon, which is on, uh, oh, it's on August 23rd. Uh, that's a big weekend for me. I'll be doing the, the Patrick Henry Half Marathon on the 23rd and then driving up to Annapolis and doing the Annapolis 10 miler on Sunday. And I remember when uh, when I did that for the first, this will be the second time doing that, but I remember when I w- was scheduled to do that for the first time, I was really worried. But um, it, it all worked out fine. And so, yeah, Greg, looking forward to seeing you. I do appreciate you using the uh, speak pipe feature, which if you go to ashlanddave.podbean.com and look over to the right side of the screen, you click on a vertical uh, icon that says send voicemail where you can record a uh, audio message and they'll, that'll be emailed to me and I can include that in the show if you're interested in doing that. Um, I would encourage you to do that if you uh, are so inclined. So uh, yeah, I heard from Dirt Dog. said he uh, listened to the number 199 this morning on his jaunt with the Border Collie, whose name is Dash. I think that's a cool name for a dog. Uh, he says, thanks for keeping me company all these years. Yeah, Dirt Dog does a uh, Dirt Dog's uh, Running Diatribe podcast, which I've been listening to over the years. 
And he's a real busy man as well. And I know sometimes he doesn't get out episodes as much as he would like, but um, as often as he would like, but it definitely did. So uh, thanks, Mike. Really good to hear from you, and, and uh, good luck with your show. I uh, got an email from Scott Johnson. He's the, uh, the host of the weekly Computer Tutor podcast, which you can look up. But he sent me an email about something else. He's going to be doing his first ultra this coming November called the Save the Daylight 24 in Inglewood, Florida on November 1st. It's the inaugural race, but he said it will become, probably become a tradition. they got six 12- and 24-hour races. He's doing the 12-hour overnight, hoping for 40 miles. And uh, he says, we'll see. You're welcome to come down and join the fun. Uh, Scott, I appreciate the invite. That is the weekend before my my 24-hour race that's in North Carolina. So I'll be uh, and I'm on call. Actually, it's it really sucks the way it works out. But I'm gonna be I'll be finished with my on call by the time I do my 24-hour race, of which I'm planning on doing a uh, hope to do 50 miles. I mean, after this past weekend, I might have to rethink some stuff. I think the weather has a whole lot to do with how my how I perform. Um, but yeah, running overnight is definitely something different. And I wish you all the best with that. And I really hope you do well with your first ultra. Uh, it's definitely a different. Uh, it's a different beast, that's for sure. Sure, it's always uh, always good to hear from you. Um, David Williams, this is Mechanical Dave. Uh, we were going to try to get together for beers a week or so ago, but he had something come up. He's actually a, a rescue squad volunteer, what they call a, around here, what they call a life member. I mean, he'll be a he's always going to be a member of uh, Ash Cake Rescue Squad, which is a volunteer outfit. Um, he was, he had to do uh, some training instead. So we'll get together for a beer, Dave, no doubt about that. Um, let me spend a few minutes on Jeff Hager's email. Uh, Jeff is a, uh, is an army officer and the, in one of the previous episodes I had questioned, what is the proper thing to say to a military officer? You know, this, this thank you for your service seems to have been used over and over and over again. Does that still ring true to, you know, officers that hear that from the public and, or is it just that we don't know what else to say? And so I'm going to quote Jeff's uh, email, and maybe this will help anybody there that um, that's thinking. And th- this is a real from the heart response, and that's why I want to share. It says, "Okay, um, Dave. Okay, to your question on what to say to the military these days, I took a small poll of the people that work for me and around me. In addition to having several people tell me." Quote, thanks for your service to come up with this. I found and believe that it's still appropriate for people to simply say thanks for your service or appreciate what you do for our country. Those are the majority of the responses that we, military, get, and they are always heartfelt, delivered. This simple, staple, this simple statement does mean a lot to us in the military. A lot of times we want to go unnoticed, but we appreciate the kind words people give us all the time. I only have two combat tours and one combat support tour in the, in the Middle East. Um, some of these young kids have three, four more tours. We in the military do give a lot, and they all do it for their country. We do it for our country. Our families get to deal with a lot, and we do appreciate what the military families provide when we are deployed to far-off places. Families, the nation, United States citizen support, and a strong military unit make it all worth the price. There are individual factors that vary from person to person, but we all have basic ties on this subject. So the answer is, thanks for your, this, thanks for your service. It's fine to say. When a small child comes up to you and says this, this can be emotional at times. We have a great country, and thanks to you for your support. You spread a good word about the military and service to the nation. Sorry, this went a bit longer than I planned, um, but I want to explain a little bit about what it means to, ha- to us on this side. 
So yes, Jeff, thanks for that response. And um, in order to understand that email, you really have to listen to, I think, episode 199. Um, but Jeff, I'm really glad I connected with you. Um, hopefully you stay in touch. I really do appreciate um, emailing with you. I really do. Especially, and I do appreciate what you do for our country. <laughs> really do. Um, heard from Adam. Uh, I mentioned this, uh, Ad. <laughs> I meant to say Adam. Um, Adam has a uh, unique sense of humor, and um, he uh, he kind of made a joke in his email about how, uh, unlike you, I'm totally connected with the iPhone, Twitter, Facebook, etc., and I love it. But recently, I've just frankly been too busy. It includes blogging, and he says he do he feels a bit of anxiety when he can't check online a lot. I hate that. I have the anxiety, so I'm working on segmenting out the time that I spend. Although I guess I do take a lot of selfies, so maybe I'm part of the problem. Ha ha ha. So, um, yeah, I think what I've learned to do, and, and this is something my wife told me recently, because uh, we re recently went out to eat with a few friends. And it was four people on one side of the table, four on the other. And at one point in time, the four people across the table from me all had their devices out. And um, I looked at my wife and I just said, you know, this is bullshit. <laughs> I mean, this is... I'm not here to interact with people and a device. It's just, I don't know, maybe I'm just old school, but she's told me I need to lighten up, so I'm going to try to start lightening up a little bit. I'm going to quit making fun of all that stuff. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, and, of course, the uh, I guess the last email is from um, Ashlyn Steve Buani. He does, I had asked about some of the podcasts that other people listen to, and Jeff gave me a few, which I... Um, forgot to mention it in his email, but I appreciate you letting, me those know, letting that know, Jeff. But there's one called the Coach Jeff Podcast, uh, not the same Jeff who's in the, who's the arm, uh, military officer. And uh, at, Steve was actually telling me about a website called theclimb.com where I might be able to get my shoes about half off, so I'll have to check that out. So, Steve, thanks for that email, and um, thanks to everybody who... Uh, Checked in with the Stand Up and Be Counted and sent the email. If you want to email me, you can at AshlynDave at gmail.com. Appreciate all the uh, feedback to the show. Usually I will only respond to positive feedback. And can you believe that only over the years I've been doing this show, I've only gotten one nasty email. And um, and that doesn't mean to send me a nasty email. I'll just delete it. But uh, uh, And it was from one person who... I didn't respond to it in an email. I just I forgot or or deleted it by accident. And ever since then, I've tried to be better. It might, it might take a little bit for me to get back to you, but I will respond. And every now and then, one's going to fall through. I don't know if that person still listens or not. I I asked them to give me another chance. Um, I don't even remember what the person's name is. I don't hold any feelings. But that's the only kind of negative email I've gotten over the years. So um, you know, thank you for that, listeners. I, I appreciate that. And uh, those of you that have sent me feedback about the show and what it's, uh, how it helps you, um, I appreciate that because those emails actually help me. It helps me validate the effort doing the podcast. I don't do it to stroke my ego. I uh, it actually inspires me to uh, to get out there and uh, and do that do that training and uh, and participate in the sport that I've really really grown to love and. Um, Actually, doing the podcast today has kind of helped me cleanse myself a little bit of the neg negative feelings from the uh, 50K yesterday. Of course, you know, finish, crossing the finish line, and then uh, once you start feeling better, you, you reflect back on something you did that was really hard, and you start wondering, you know, oh, when's, when's the next one, you know? But boy, in the, I'd say around mile 16 to 18 to 20, um, 
you know, I don't know what I was doing out there. And I remember when there was a third, I remember when it was the passing the, there's a mile marker every half mile. So you have 13, 12.5, 12, 11.5. I just remember thinking when I was, I think around 13.5, and I've got over a half marathon to go. And at that point, I was just, I was walking, you know, ran later, but I don't know. It was brutal. And I could probably come up with a whole new description of what I experienced, but. I made it to the end, and that's really the whole point is, is to finish. Uh, run to the finish and keep on running, which is what I'm going to do. So. Well, that's it for episode 200. Like I said, I'll probably tinker around with uh, some stuff here and there, maybe change the show around a little bit, but I'll probably keep basically the same format, and I appreciate you listening, and I'll be back soon with another show. This is Ashland Dave reminding you to run to the finish, keep on running, don't forget to hug your kids, and y'all have a good week. Thank you.